You just gave a talk, yeah. and your background, of course, is in music, music yeah. history. Tell us just a little bit about your journey to the intersection, right, where you found some of these K-12 classical folks, and what drew you to them. So, well, That's a big question. That's a big one, yeah. Well, I'm from Roanoke, Virginia, yep. and I mentioned that in the talk today, that I grew up thinking I'd never get out of my backyard, which wasn't such a bad thing back in my day, you know. <laughs> Nobody got out of his or her backyard. Right, you just right. kind of where you lived. And um, Public school with very good teachers, had Latin as early as I could possibly get it, mm. which was, um, uh, I mean, seventh grade, that was considered typical. pretty wild, and but a little typical. Yeah. But I was a pianist, and I came up playing the piano pretty seriously, relatively uh -huh. good, but not a lot of, uh, and I didn't grow up with my father was in the Juilliard String Quartet or my mm. mother sang at the Met. I mean, I work with people who grow up in that kind of rarefied atmosphere. Right. So right. Um, I came up with hillbilly music on the back porch, my mother <laughs> listening to the Texaco Metropolitan Radio broadcast while we ironed on Saturdays in the kitchen. But you know what? That was enough. Because mm. if you have the Met and you have bluegrass or old country or, or um, Jimmy Rogers, sure. or it's you sort of have everything that you possibly need. And I'm pretty much a product of that completely. And it's, it explains a lot about me, actually. So those musical influences really sort of launched you beyond your hometown, right? Well, many things Eventually. happened. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as with everybody, but I, I grew up also, it's kind of fun to think about now, but when I was a kid, Van Cliburn, not uh -huh. that many, you know, in 1959, right. we had won the, uh, the Tchaikovsky competition. That, it's hard to imagine what big news that was. I mean, they say the first mm. chink in the wall of the Cold War or whatever, because uh -huh. for the first time, this Texas kid had gone and won the heart of Russia. And everybody, the influence of that, it's funny to think about it now. And many decades later, I ended up spending many years working for the Clyburn Institution as a, as a lecturer and educator. Sure. But, but, so it's funny how the circles of things that happen when you're a kid, you know, come to fruition. Give shape to your life. But my love was Russia, and I'm sure the Clyburn had something to do with that, and, and Russian literature that I discovered, because that was a hip thing to do, you know, to read things Russia when you were in middle school, that was that still is hip, I guess, sure, right? Sure, sure. That's part of the appeal of the classical uh, literature, because sure. kids are doing things that are just very cool and very real and very grown up, yeah? That's right. Um, but you couldn't go to Russia. You couldn't just go to the Soviet Union in those days. So my goal always was to go and find a way to be there. And it took a lot of years, and it took actually a dissertation and grant, a State Department grant, many, many years later to be able to be in the Soviet Union in 1981, 1982. Mm. Um, but long before the wall fell. Long before so. the wall, Brezhnev, right. the whole time. I mean, I, you know, talk about, uh, I mean, <laughs> I laugh that I, when I landed there uh, in uh, 81, I, I really thought that the, uh, the Snow Princess was going to come out in a troika and meet me at the Aeroflot plane, you know, because I was so imbued with the Russian fairy tales and, sure, sure. and the, um, you know, the music. That must be and, the way it is, right? And of course, <laughs> not quite how it unfolded. And I'd never been anywhere before. I'd never been to another country. Not a good way to start, you know. I didn't mm. know what it meant to be dealing with new languages, new customs, you know, new smells, sure. confusions, bureaucracy, oh boy, and Lots all kinds of, of things. But yep. that was one of those years, and everybody has them for one way or the other, where everything either makes or breaks, you either survive it or you don't. Uh -huh. And if you do, from that point on, everything is different. Huh. And so virtually everything after that in my life came from that particular opportunity to go over there and ostensibly write a dissertation, which I did do, of course, sure. but, but it was so much more than that. Um, and the opportunity since then, I am just, even to this day, just astonished at what I'm able to do. I could have never envisioned it. Uh, that wasn't your question, of course. It was how did I come into no, this okay. thing? But you know, it, yeah, but yeah, it is in a sense you've sort of come in through the back door. Through the back door. I like the back door. I can yeah. find the back door. You know, That's right. it's usually open. <laughs> it goes right to the kitchen. You know, but, but 
is, what is so exciting to me about what you do, what you and your colleagues are doing? Um, because of when I came up, school was still pretty good. You know, teachers mm -hmm. were wonderful. You learned, even if it wasn't great, you got a lot. And the arts were well integrated in those days. I mean, mm -hmm. it might have been the songbook and the piano, or it might have been the sure. folk dancing class. Or, and we didn't have a lot in Roanoke, and you didn't get to go to the Met or the National Portrait Gallery. Sure. But you knew that that stuff mattered somehow. And, and that groundwork was laid not nearly as intensely as you are laying it for your students. Right. But uh, who since then is doing what desperately needs to be done. And as I became aware, really through the homeschool curriculum uh, work that I, with my husband, uh, create at Professor Carroll, yep. you know, that's our business. But that's as right. we, we started in this, and we started in this partly because I'd had students where I was teaching at SMU, um, increasingly in the 90s, some of my most interesting students were homeschooled. And it took really? a while, yeah, no, this is what my, my intro was. I had one particular student too. She just wrote these papers. I thought, you know, who is this kid? And I had several and I thought, there's something so good about this and so well written and such, so I couldn't wait to read them. I, you know how when you grade, you put the yeah, really good papers right. to the side. That's right. And finally one day I asked this young lady, her name is Allison, and um, she lets me say that much. Anyway, and I said, you know, where did you go to high school? And she said, put her head down, she said, what? I was homeschooled. Pardon? I was homeschooled, she said. And I went, I'd never heard of it. And, and when I was a kid, if you're homeschooled, if you got hit by a bus, you know, right, and, right. and the teacher. So I looked at her and said the dumbest thing. I said, really? I said, will you look healthy? <laughs> now, it couldn't be tackier. That's exactly, I knew her somewhat well. She was a marvelous violinist. And now a mother of a bunch of kids in whom she's homeschooling. And oh, she lovely. just started laughing. She said, Dr. Reynolds, you don't know anything about this, do you? And I said, I have no clue. Do you have time? Yes, sit down, let me explain it. And she told me the whole thing, and I remember saying, your mother did all of this, you know? Because mm -hmm. there wouldn't have been a classical academy for her to go to. There mm -hmm. wouldn't have been what you are creating. Mm -hmm. You see, that didn't, I mean, we're talking a while back, and sure. if there might have been something somewhere, but certainly not sure. available to her. And then she told me all, and so, to make the always long story with, with me, they're long stories, I'll try to make it manageable. Through going to homeschool conferences, I began to discover, almost immediately, Memoria Press, mm -hmm. And seeing Latin curriculum again made me so happy because I remember what Latin had meant to me. Sure. I mean, Latin fixed almost everything that could be fixed at that point, you know? <laughs> Not everything, but a lot. Um, and so seeing what, then suddenly you see someone teaching logic and you teach Chris Perrin, and I met him quite mm -hmm. a, right after that, mm -hmm. and, and a number of others, Janice Campbell. Oh my gosh, you know, right. listening to him speak and the importance of story and the importance of um, every kind of serious learning that I thought was gone. Mm. And then all of a sudden it wasn't gone. And then to see this movement within the movement right. that you represent, right. well, it's just the coolest thing. We think so, but I always felt like that might just be, you know, bias on my part. So it's delightful to hear you say so. Well, it's really true. And yeah. you can't help but be struck. Um, I mean, it's this in so many ways. This is the most serious crowd going in mm. so many ways, mm -hmm. and yet it's the most lighthearted and impassioned because it's sort of like people were climbing this mountain. Right. <laughs> it's That's a right. really big mountain, and we've got to hold on to each other because that's Indeed. the other thing I love about all of this, and that's the collegiality. That's right. You know, academia is not always, mm. you know, this the friendliest place. Mm. Um, there's just a whole different dynamic there, and I don't feel that in this world. No. No, there's a real collegiality, uh, often a conviviality that, uh, that seems to suffuse this, uh, this work, and I'm, I'm so thankful for it. Your work uh, as a professor 
prior to getting into this homeschool business mm -hmm. was music history. Mm -hmm. You were at Southern Methodist SMU, University, SMU. Yeah. Uh, what you found there, in addition to Allison, uh, tell us a little bit more about kind of your areas of interest and how mm -hmm. that has now okay. morphed not only into the classical homeschooling curricula, but you're doing some tours of Europe and a variety of things. Oh, but, yeah. but, but tell me specifically okay. about your time at SMU and what was, um, perhaps what was most gratifying uh, and why you eventually decided, I'm going to do something else. Well, we did. We, did. we went to yeah. raise goats. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. That explains everything. Well, no, I was very fortunate to have, I was there 21 years at SMU and I taught elsewhere this different amounts and places, sure. but SMU was a tremendous place for me to land. I didn't know anything about Texas, mm. you know, the whole Dallas. I mean, I had silly ideas about Dallas. Dallas is amazing. Dallas, Fort Worth, the theaters, the, the museums, the, the orchestras, the opera. I mean, it's people who don't know Texas, and there's a lot of people who don't know that about sure. Texas. I sure. mean, it is a blast, and, and the quality of what's there, and the international, the cosmopolitan atmosphere, uh -huh. um, which means so much talent. But when I landed in SMU, I didn't, it was a one-year position. It came about in a real fluky way, uh -huh. you know, all the careful planning we do, and there's That's always right. some phone call to somebody else that makes somebody aware of something, and suddenly there you are, you yep. know. And I didn't really think I'd keep the position. I thought, well, there's just no way I'm not going to get blown out here by somebody from, you know, Oxford or Stanford, whatever, because, you know, my background's quite quite honorable, but it's not that necessarily. Right. And they published 85,000 things, and maybe I've only published 85, right? <laughs> so I just had a blast that first year, because I thought, this is it, you know? And it turned out that's what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it was kind of accidentally the lesson that I think you learn as you get older, which is you are who you are, you do what you do. You might wish you were a little more like this or that, but ultimately you've got you, you know? Yep. And so I did get the position, stayed, got tenure, did all of that. and I taught music history, but I also taught in the Russian cultural area mm. um, and in the German area and started a program in Weimar with a good colleague of mine who, um, that program is still running, and uh, we took our music students, we took the German and humanity students and the business students, oddly enough. It was kind of an interesting group to put together, and we were in the place where, where Goethe lived for 49 years, mm. where Liszt, where Bach, where the Bauhaus, where virtually everybody passed through Weimar at some point or another, mm. and it's a tremendous tremendously important cultural center in Germany, mm -hmm. in former East, so sure, sure. Um, that was a big thing to do. It was always, though I have to tell you, always the students. It's always the students. You know, mm. you, you ask anybody who teaches long, if they don't get their joy from the students, they don't stay in teaching, no. generally speaking. Well, nope. They'll go to administration or they'll sure. go to something else. And, and of course at SME we had a, a lot of international students. I worked with a lot of them. I was advisor to the international students for quite a while always pulling from those years uh, where I found myself in Leningrad Conservatory truly clueless about how a Soviet culture and a Soviet academic mm -hmm. and research mm -hmm. world would work and you know trying to figure how you find a blanket and where you go to, to get a can opener and mm. and how do you get your library IDs and it's also mysterious I don't care where you go it's mysterious right. so it, it's been a particular joy to work over the years with with a lot of international students and um, we had a tremendous orchestra just, just glorious years. Uh, I, I just have to say I've been very blessed. Yeah. Um, so now as, you're, as you've sort of transitioned to the homeschooling, uh, doing some of these tours with Smithsonian, Smithsonian Journeys. Yes, is that I'm, right? Yeah, That's that came out of nowhere too, yep, you know? Yep. And that was nine years ago, almost eight or nine years ago. And yet all of the sort of equipping, all that you needed was given you over the years, as you said, some of those key moments where you made this decision, right? To go off to the Soviet Union, pursue that dissertation. 
has given shape, right, to mm -hmm. a life. So you think about classical education, specifically in the lower grades, what is the advantage from where you sit, and as you talk to these homeschoolers, and now many of us that are, that are running schools, classical K-12 schools, what are the advantages that you see being given to those students to prepare them to go off to university, and of course, equally, more important, for life? For life. You just said the most important part because you're creating lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. uh, so much of schooling, even in the very fancy private schools, and you understand how this happens. We've created this monster, right? Mm. My generation created this monster. Um, but so much of it is all about getting to college. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you talk with college, you see these kids, they've killed themselves to get mm -hmm. to it. And, and then they're there and they find out it's, it's really not the, it's, it, it's a place. It's, sad. it's, sad. it's a place that's costing them. 16, 26, 36, 46, 56,000 dollars a year. You know, so, so the first thing that you're doing that's so wonderful is you are preparing lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. And you're basically saying to them, this is going to be your whole life. That's right. I don't remember anyone telling me that at a young age, but you will be working to understand these ideas forever. So it's okay. You know, that's right. the first thing, I think, that you, you are doing something that can't, it's, it's taken, our heritage has taken centuries millennia to develop mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we are going to dine on it mm. and you say that differently to a second grader than you do to a seventh grader Certainly. obviously but we are dining on this heritage we couldn't possibly eat this whole meal but we can like a little mouse run across the smorgasbord table and we're going to have this three and not that it's superficial but that we are going to enjoy this delight and this delight and the other thing I think that it's so impressive to me what you do what so many of your colleagues are doing within the schools and what you are establishing with your your whole endeavor here of the K through 12. Um, I mean, I'm fascinated by it. I want to mm. stay close and learn what I can from it. But it's a very pure education. Mm. You know, it's a very pure form of learning. It, it reminds me very much of how you teach music. Think about how you teach voice, singing. How do you teach a singer to mm. create an opera singer? You teach breathing. That's what you're teaching. You're not teaching sound production. You're teaching breathing. I mean, anybody who's singing opera, especially Italian opera, it's mm -hmm. all about breath. It's all about bowing if it's a violinist. It's all about that space if you're a pianist between your brain and the hoop, I like to call it. The keyboard being the hoop. Nobody looks at the hoop. They know where the hoop is. Right. You know, it, It's the purity of how you teach an instrument or how you teach the voice mm -hmm. or any art form, dance. Sure. It's, it's conceptual. It's physical. It's uh, filled with every... It's individual, but it's also absolutely rigorous and seeped in the tradition of what works. And that's what you all are doing, and you don't find them just lying around, I might say. And it's not easy to do. Thank you. It is not. It is not. But I must say that events like this, colleagues like yourself, meeting with fellow practitioners, rallying the troops, if you will. You are. We go back in, and we go back in happy to sally forth. Right? This is our moment, and we are so thankful to have you be a part of it. I've been just uh, very privileged to be part of it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Dr. Reynolds.